following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. How you doing today? How you doing today? It's a good day. It's a good day. I want to quote my favorite scripture on the first Sunday of the new year. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Isn't it an awesome day? I honor you today and I thank you. I've seen so many precious new people. I've seen people that were a part of our church, moved away, came back. I had some neighbors that used to live next door to us, Patty and I on Doswell. And uh, I, used to, I went over one day and I introduced myself. I said, my name is Rex. I'm your neighbor. I didn't tell them what I did. I said, I'm, I'm your neighbor. And I said, the way to remember me, I'm the old dinosaur, T-Rex. And they came in today and they said, is this T-Rex's church? <laughs> and I got to witness to them and, and, and tell them about the church that we have. And they're in second service today and we're so honored to have them. And if you're here today for the first time, that was me out there on the porch in the blue jacket. I'm wearing blue because Dallas did good last night. <laughs> Just a thought. Yes, sometimes I can be a carnal minister. Yes, I can. I told Tom Landry years ago when I used to play golf with him some, I told him, I said, you used to ruin my Sundays, Coach Landry. I said, when the Redskins would beat you and the Eagles would beat you, I'd just get so down I couldn't get over it till a Friday. And he looked at me and he said, Preacher, I used, to, I used to ruin my own Sundays. My Sundays were ruined. I was coaching those boys. And so it's good to see them win last night. They'll be finished next week down in New Orleans, but it's all right. It's all right. We got them through the first round. Thanks for being here today. It's quite an honor to welcome you. It really, really is. And I want to thank everybody that sent something to me on my birthday, a little tweet, a little note. Little note. I, I, I don't do Facebook and I don't do Instagram, but my wife does. Oh, she does. And she read us so many to me, and I, I'm just so grateful. I'm, I'm appreciative. I'm really appreciative, and I want you to know that. And uh, no, I didn't know everybody that sent me something, and you probably don't know me, but you was kind enough to say, hey, happy birthday. I'm stopping on that one, okay? I'm stopping on that one. It's as far as I'm going to go. Dad stopped at 42, lived to be 86. But I'm going to stop at this one because that's the last one I want in my life uh, as far as age. I want to live to be 100, but I just want that to be on my, on my record that I live to be 60-whatever. Anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, it's an honor to see you. Would you stand to your feet, your precious people, and... And we're excited to see you. I'm not going to be lengthy today. I'm really not. I, I thank you for welcoming me back. I've been, been under it a little bit, but uh, I think I'm climbing out of it. And I'm very excited about that. And uh, it's an honor to be in this pulpit today. And the only time that I've really felt good all day long is when I'm talking to you and when I'm speaking to you. But we're starting our prayer, our prayer uh, thing tomorrow, our prayer and fasting 21 days of it, and uh, last year was such a huge success. We had such huge turnouts, and I know 6 o'clock is early. I know that, but it's just early if you let it be early. If you go to bed, if you go to bed at 6 o'clock, it's not really early. <laughs> 3 o'clock is about early, and then you can be up and have breakfast and everything's come on to prayer. And why don't, you, why don't you try it this year and see what happens in your life? I'm going to be talking today about prayer. In fact, I'm speaking on this, these words today. I can still pray. I think it's an awesome thing. You know, prayer, prayer is not, it's not, uh, it's not a, it's not a ministry that's gone away. It's not gone away. It's just been 
misdirected. It's been misguided. It's been misplaced. And I believe with all my heart that every man, every woman, every boy and girl will one day in their life pray to our Heavenly Father. Everybody's going to pray. Everybody will pray. But it's wonderful when you do it voluntarily. It's wonderful when you say, you know what, this is what I can do. This is what I want to do. And prayer still is the key that unlocks the blessings of heaven. And I believe that with all my heart. And so I love you. I'm going to talk to you today with the help and the grace of God. And I won't be lengthy, I promise. But I want you to turn to somebody beside you and say, I'm going to help the preacher today. And I hope he doesn't get on my toes too bad. And I'm not. All right, you may be seated. God bless your incredible, incredible people. Now, you know, if you're, if you're going to a gym, you might be through with that in about a month. <laughs> this old boy walked in today and he looked like he just walked off the 225-pound barbells and he was stacked in that shirt. And I said, son, you did that with barbells. I got this with bluebell. This is... <laughs> That's an old joke, but he had never heard it, and he liked it. But I, I hadn't eaten Bluebell all year. There you go. I'm fasting it. But if a gym can hold your attention for at least a month, why don't you let church hold your attention for a whole year? Because there's no place greater than the house of God. And uh, this, this hour will be as great as any hour you'll spend in the whole week of your life. I love our music. I love the way our praise and worship team always is ready. Friends used to tease me with this comment when I was a young preacher. One of them said, I thought about being a preacher when I was young, but I decided not to because I don't believe in working on Sunday. And then he added, and this is what made me hit him. I hit him with a twinkle in his eye. It sure must be nice to work just one day a week. And he grinned. I had a member in one of my churches. I've pastored three and I had a member in one of them said, to tease me about one day a week. He called me a one day a week wonder. And he was a president of a bank and I walked in one day and I said, I've got a little plan. Why don't you let me take this bank for a month and see how many customers I can get here and you go take that church and see how many people you can run off. <laughs> he wouldn't take that. He let me remain the preacher in his life. I heard about a speech teacher that was asked by a young man what it would take to be a good preacher. And she said, fill your mouth with marbles and practice speaking. Take the marbles out of your mouth one at a time, and when you lose all your marbles, then you'll be a preacher. So a preacher to some is a man that works one day a week and has lost all his marbles. Let me tell you what a preacher really is. He's a man that God has called and set aside for the work of the ministry. And Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A preacher, a pastor is simply a hope breeder, a hope breeder, because the gospel, folks, is good news. It really is. And good news always dispels gloom. And for the last 29 years, this church has tried to be a hope breeder. We've tried to breed hope in the lives and the hearts of people. And we're going to do it again this year with a greater dimension. Next Sunday, I wouldn't challenge you to be back because next Sunday we're going to be talking about dreamers of the day. There's a lot of difference in night dreaming and daydreaming. Night dreaming sometimes happens because you eat too much pizza or you have too many, too many fried potatoes or whatever. But daydreaming is something that will change your world because vision is caught when you dream during the day. 
And next Sunday we're going to be talking about that. I hope you saw this beautiful fenced area. We're starting to work already. We're going to be groundbreaking in just a few days. We're moving trees. We're getting things ready. We're going to build. And by this time, hopefully next year, or maybe a little bit later than this next year, this place is going to be doubled its size. We're going to have twice the size that we have right now. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a great thing? That's good news. That's good stuff. Today's text is found in Matthew 26. It's a powerful chapter. And it has many little plots in it, little subplots in the whole chapter. And it starts with the plot to kill Jesus. He tells his disciples that two days and it's going to happen. And then the next, the next scene, Jesus goes to Bethany. And he's anointed there for burial for, by a woman. And he's spurned by his disciples. They called it waste. Because she took this alabaster box, very costly, very expensive, and poured it on his feet and wiped it with her hair. And they called it waste. And Jesus said, you'll have the poor with you always, but you'll not always have me. And then Judas comes along in the next plot and he betrays the Lord and sells him out to the Sanhedrin. Then Jesus shares Passover with the disciples in the next subplot. He institutes the Lord's Supper. He predicts Peter's denial. He said, before, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And Pete said, Lord, not me. It may be others, but I won't do that. And he did. Then he goes to Gethsemane to pray. And his disciples sleep on him in Gethsemane. And then after a while, when he's through praying, he's betrayed by Judas in the garden with a kiss. And Jesus has prayed all night in the garden of Gethsemane. His disciples have slept most of the night. But now the Roman guards are there. And they've come ready to take him and arrest him and do the dastardly deed that they have to do to him in order that scripture could be fulfilled. But here he states in Matthew chapter 26, verse 53, do you not think? that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels. Now there's a lot of people that say that a legion is about 2,000 warriors. So 2,000 times 12 is about 24,000 warriors. Or 6,000 some say that, that make it more complete. 6,000 is a legion. That would be 72,000 warriors. So somewhere between 24,000 and 72,000, Jesus said, I could call right now to my heavenly father and he would send people to take this thing over. He would destroy this whole place that's sitting here right now. But then he said in 54, then how could the scripture be fulfilled that it must happen thus? What I want to preach today is to try to get everything out of this text that I can. I know we won't, but as a sponge, I want to squeeze it as hard as possible and get the last drop out of what Jesus meant when he said that in Matthew 26 and 53. What he was saying simply is it's not the arithmetic of our prayers. It's not how many they are. It's not the rhetoric of our prayers, how eloquent they are. It's not the geometry of our prayers, how long they may be. Nor the music of our prayers, how sweet our voice may be. Nor the logic of our prayers, how argumentative they may be. Nor the method of our prayers, how orderly they may be that God cares for. But James 5 and 16 says it's the fervency of spirit is what avails much. Everybody say the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. God loves you to want to touch him when you pray. He don't want you just to go through a rhythm. He don't want you to go through a geometry. He don't want you to go through length and long prayers. He wants there to be something inside of you that says, I want to talk to you today, Lord. That's what prayer is all about. 
So the setting is the Garden of Gethsemane where he had prayed himself into a bloody sweat. The Bible said his sweat was as great, great drops of blood. Judas knew the place. He'd been there with him before. So he led the crowd to Jesus and placed a kiss of betrayal on him. And Jesus said, you're going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss. And he called him friend. And in the excitement of the moment, one of the disciples, Simon, no less, took his sword and cut off the ear of Malchus. I think he was aiming for his neck, but Malchus must have ducked. And Pete got his ear and Jesus picked up the ear and put it on Malchus's head and said, be healed. Then he turned to Simon and said, they that live by the sword, Simon, shall perish by the sword. And then these famous words he quoted again, or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father? And he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels. Once again, I will tell you that prayer is not a lost art. It's just a misplaced art. And many of us need to find our place in prayer again with Jesus in 2019. Can somebody give me an amen to that? What Jesus was saying, I could call these legions of angels right now, but what he was intimating was when one refrains from force when he has none, is no large virtue. But when you have force and you don't use it, it's a virtue of the noblest kind. Jesus had sources at his hand. He could have took those Roman soldiers out, but he chose not to. That was the noblest gesture that he could give to those men that were going to take him to a cross. With adversary on every side, adversary on every side, Jesus said, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray. This was, folks, his darkest hour. And he tells us here in his darkest hour that he has a father. He has a father. He's a betrayed man and has no possessions, but he had a father that he could resort to. And he taught us that when we pray, don't start off at the bottom, but at the top and say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. In other words, when your adversity comes and your back is against the wall, you do have a father. Say, I have a father. Come on, say it. I have a father. God loves me. My children never did worry about a place to sleep or eat because they trusted their father. Now they're in their 40s and 30s and they still don't worry about it because they still have a father. I want to tell you something. Lord, the Lord needs to let us learn. He needs to let us learn that when he prayed in Gethsemane for many hours, the adversaries still came. Prayer had not driven them away, but prayer had put strength in him encouraging him and enabled him to face that which was before him. Caiaphas, the high priest, he could now face. Blasphemous words he could now face. Spit on his face, a slap with an open palm or a fist. Plucking his beard he could now face. Thorns on his head he could now face. A cross he could now face. There was a serenity in his soul. Because sometimes God stops the problem and sometimes God comforts the soul. And disciples, he wants you to learn that when your back is against the wall, you still have a reserve called prayer. You still have a reserve called prayer. Prayer is never going out of style. It's always going to be vogue. And you have a reservoir called prayer. Every saint, every preacher, every sinner, everybody in this house, you can pray and God hears your prayers. Hallelujah. He wouldn't hear my prayer. Yes, he does. Oh, thou that hearest prayer, he hears your prayer. You say, Pastor, I've prayed and nothing has happened. 
I'm here to tell you that there's a reserve that you hadn't tapped into yet. Your prayer life is not yet exhausted. The matter has not gone too far. It's not too late to pray. My back is against the wall, but I can still pray. It's never too late to pray. Say it. It's never too late to pray. Prayer is an ever open door. Prayer is a sincere desire of the soul. Prayer, which is as simple as a tear and as eloquent as a sigh. Prayer still works. Prayer still does it. Prayer still makes it happen. You may be like Jonah today. And you're in the bottom of a sea in a whale of a problem. I didn't say that other word. I said whale. With seaweed wrapped around your head and it's still not too late to pray. I don't care where you are in your life. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray. I love the story of Eddie Rickenbacker. After a plane crash in World War II, he was floating on a raft with other hungry survivors. And they did it for eight days. Eight of them. And one day on the eighth day, they decided, you know what? We've tried a lot of stuff, but why don't we just pray? Why don't we pray and ask God to help us out here in the middle of this ocean? And Eddie had on a straw hat and he bowed his head, put that straw hat way back here on his head. And he bowed his head and put his hands on his knees and he started praying. And before the prayer was over, a seagull in the middle of the ocean landed on Eddie's hat. Thinking, where do I need to go next? And Eddie had better plans for him. He reached up and grabbed that seagull and brought it down and they tore that seagull apart and eight of them ate that seagull. It wasn't a whole lot, especially if you got the neck in the back. It wasn't a whole lot of eat, lot, a lot of things to eat. But they took the entrails and they, 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 with that bird they catch fish and they did this for eight more days until they were rescued, repeating the process. And the day that that bird landed on Eddie's head was on a Friday and before his death in 1973, he would go down to the sea in Miami with some shrimp in his hand, some pogey fish, to feed the seagulls. And when he would stand there with those buckets, those seagulls would darken the sky because they saw Eddie standing there and they got used to it. He would pitch those shrimp and those pogies to those fish, I mean to those seagulls. And every time he would pitch one, he would say, I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you. There's some of you that need to pray and just say thank you, Lord. Because you have kept me when I hadn't prayed like I should, but you still kept me. You need to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for being there. Thank you for coming to my aid. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for touching my life. Thank you for blessing my kids. Thank you for touching my children when they were sick. Thank you. Oh, hallelujah. It is said of the Greeks that they would use long spears in battle. The Romans would use short swords. The Greeks loved to throw spears. The Romans declared that they were good in close combat. Can I declare to you about prayer, it's both a long spear and a short sword. It doesn't matter if the pressure's on you right now or there's something coming in your life down the road and you're dreading it. God's got something to reach it and God's got something to hand fight it because God's with you. You know, I've always said that there's three places every person is that I preach to every Sunday. You're either coming out of a storm, you're either in a storm, or you're seeing the dark sky get blacker and you're going into a storm. And I believe with all my heart that God doesn't mean for us to stick in any place. If you're coming out, you need to be praising God in prayer. If you're in the storm, you need to be praying that God will get you out sooner than later. And if you're going into the storm, you need to have some preemptive prayer that say, God, I know I'm going to go into this, but you're going to bring me out of this in the name of the Lord. There's always a place and a time to pray in your life. Come on, clap your hands. There's always a place and a time to pray in your life. 
prayer will work when you're close or when you're far away. If I speak to someone today that has descended into the valley of Elah, the valley where David met Goliath and where Goliath dwells and the big giants of the world that's come against your soul, please let me tell you, put it on the screen, it's never too late to pray. It's never too late to pray. If you've already been thrown into the lion's den, leave it on the screen. It's never too late to pray. Or if I preach to someone who's already in the jaws of the lion, it's still not too late to pray. If there's somebody here fixing to be thrown to the fiery furnace, could I tell you it's not too late to pray. Luke in Acts 27 said that all hope was gone when Eurachlodon took the ship off course that Paul was on on his way to Rome. But Paul said, wait a minute, hold on just a minute. I can pray. I can pray. We may be in a storm, but I can pray. And he came back a few moments later and said, I heard from an angel. He stood by me this night and said, everything's going to be all right and nobody's going to be lost. Can I tell you, if you're on a ship bound somewhere and you're going nowhere because of a storm in your life, why don't you get a hold of a mast and start praying and God will send some answers to you because it's never, never too late to pray. Somebody help me preach right now. You can still pray. Oh, I feel good in my spirit right now. Come on, clap your hands real big. It's still all right to pray. If you're in some dark Gethsemane, your back is against the wall, say to your antagonist, say to your doubt, say to your disbelief, I can still pray. I can still pray. Prayer is not a lost art. It's just a misplaced art. And we worry and we frustrate now instead of pray. And we sigh and we pain and we... We take medicines and we, we try to anesthetize ourselves and anesthetize ourselves and we try to do all kinds of things to make it better. But we can pray. I've been suffering the last four weeks with something that's just absolutely taken me to another level of, of pain. But I promised God I was going to preach on this Sunday. And let me tell you, let me tell you something. Let me say something. This is so, this is so beautiful to me. The only time I've been free from pain today is when I'm talking to the church of the living God. There's no pain in me right now because the Lord wants this message to be declared that prayer still works. Prayer still works. Prayer still works. Prayer still works. Prayer still availeth much. I need to preach till three o'clock so I can have pain free for a little while. I won't do that. I'm not that kind of man. But if you're in some dark Gethsemane, and your back is against the wall, say to your antagonist, you don't think I can pray? That's something to shout about. That's something to jump about. Come on, it's never, it's never too late to pray. The Lord said, Simon, put your sword up. Your sharp tongue, your anger, I don't need it. I can pray. Now listen, if a betrayed Christ has that much power, how much more power does a resurrected Christ have? If he can call down 12 legions of angels and he's persecuted, he's afflicted, hallelujah, he's betrayed, how much more power does a resurrected Christ have? You need to come to prayer on, on Monday through Friday this week. You know, if, you're, if you live too far away from the church, you need to get up every morning and spend 15 or 20 minutes just praying because there's no better way to start your year out than with prayer. Prayer still works.
it still works. But Jesus said, but how shall the scripture be fulfilled that thus it might be? That's 54. More important than his own comfort was that the scripture would be fulfilled. Let me talk about this a little bit, then I'm going to be finished. I don't understand why people don't allow the scripture to be fulfilled in their lives. They let things that come against them take them away from the presence of God instead of charging them and make them get stronger in the presence of God. They let what I call cheap temporal things keep the scripture from being fulfilled in their life. Jesus says, I can, but how would the scripture be fulfilled? He didn't come to this earth, folks, to whip the Romans with 72,000 angels. He didn't do that. He came to this earth to die. He came to this earth to be buried and rise again so that you and I could call him Lord in our life and have a chance of redemption and have a chance to go be with him someday. And he did it. He didn't let it get in his way. He said the scripture is going to be fulfilled. But I'm here to declare to you, you're going to go through some things even in prayer. But there's some preemptive prayer that you could pray that will make things a little easier as you go through them. And it'll make you stronger as you are walking through them. Every man's going to walk through the valley. Every man's going to go through some trials. Every man's going to go through some tribulation. But when we have a heavenly father walking with us, ah, oh, what a joy to have that Jesus walking with us, to have our God Almighty. The reason some of you leap and dance and shout is because the scripture is being fulfilled in your life. And that's a joy. Peter preached the first message on the day of Pentecost. That's a long way from a sword in his hand cutting a man's ear off in Gethsemane 50 days earlier. It's never too late to pray. It's always the right time to pray. Somebody says that when you're on the deathbed, it's too late. Oh, antagonist. Oh, disbeliever, oh, doubter. It's never too late to pray. I have seen people that I have led to the Lord from a hospital room, from a hospice center, because it's never too late. Do you think Jesus came and died on the cross so that he could send people to hell? No, he came and died so that you and I could all be saved. We could all walk in white someday. And I promise you, I'm going to keep that close to my heart. And you're going to hear that a lot this year. Because Jesus don't want you to be lost. He wants you to be saved. It's not his will that any should perish. And so he didn't call the 12 legions of angels. He said, let the scripture be fulfilled. I've come to die so that I can save somebody from a place of wrath. What a joy. What a joy. You know, a musician is commended. Not that he played so long but that he played so well. And I want to say this to you. It's not the days of our lives that mattered. It's the goodness of our life from God that matters. It's not the length of our prayers, but it's the fervency of our prayers. It's not the measure of our profession. It's the sincerity of our profession. Can I ask, can I ask this audience today, would it be all right to say it's time to get sincere with God? It's time to start having fervency in your prayers. It's time to start praying for your children like never before. I don't want to be negative at all, but we're living in a pretty bad situation in our society right now. And you need to guard your heart and guard your home with the prayers to Jesus Christ. You need to pray to him because there's nothing like prayer that'll keep the evil away from your house. I used to get up every morning when my kids were young. I'd get up every morning and I'd walk through our house and those kids were 5, 7, 15, whatever. I'd walk through our house. I'd say, God, our children are going to be saved. 
They're going to be saved. They're going to be ransomed. They're going to be redeemed. And I'd walk by every window and every door and I'd claim the blood of Jesus on that house. I prayed every morning. You know what? I still do. When I lock the house at night, it's just me and Patty, that empty house. And oh, that's so much fun. (laughs) I still pray, God, take care of us. Watch over us. I plead the blood of Jesus over this house. It's all right. You don't have to pray long prayers. You just pray fervent prayers. You just ask God to help. You ask God because it's never too late to pray. We need to be a praying people like we never have before. Can somebody clap your hand and say amen to that? It's time to pray. In 2019, it's time to pray. Randy, if you'll help me, I received... I received a text yesterday, 9.46 in the morning. I'm not preaching long because that'll come later. I'm just trying to get something in your spirit about prayer. I received a text yesterday from one of the families in our church. A dad said the prodigal son has come home. And when I read it and I saw who it was from and I told him I would not declare the names today. But he gave me permission to share this story. He called him the poster boy of prodigal sons. When he came home, he was overwhelmed with drug abuse and alcohol abuse. His liver is gone. He's dying. He's in hospice. But this week, he came home. This week, he came home. After 25 years. And he found Jesus. And I guess I read that story six or seven times yesterday. Wow. Aren't you glad that mom and dad didn't quit praying after 15 years? Aren't you glad that after 20 years they said, you know, we've prayed enough. Aren't you glad after 24 and a half years they didn't say, well, forget it. It's never too late to pray. And they prayed. And he came home. He probably won't make it in this physical life. But all oh, the joy of knowing that he won't die lost. He's going to die saved. He's going to die redeemed. That makes a pastor a hope breeder. I'm breeding hope in this house. Prayer still works. Some of you have distant things in your life that you don't know how you're going to handle. The Greeks could use the spear. Some of you have things up close that are bugging you. The Romans used the the swords. And Jesus said prayer is both far away and close. And I've had things in my life that I said, I don't know how to handle it. It's too far from me. But when I prayed, God handled it for me. And I've had stuff that's up close that was driving me up a wall. And I said, God, I need some help. And God took the swords away because he is a father that answers prayer. I want you to repeat something after me right now. I want you to say, God hears prayer. And God understands my heart. And God heals 
my situations. Glory to God. Glory to God. Welcome to 2019, folks. This church is a place where the Spirit dwells. And we're going to pray for 21 days. And I can't wait till in the morning. Oh, I'll be sleepy for the first couple of days because I normally don't get up till 6.15. I got to get up early. I'm teasing. I get up sometime at 6 in the morning. But I go back to bed in a little while. But I'm just here to tell you that find a place to pray in the next 21 days. We'll be completing this on Saturday the 26th of this month. It's going to be a wonderful time. And I love you. And thanks for letting me preach to you today that it's never too late to pray. You can pray. Would you stand to your feet all over the building? Would you stand to your feet all over the building? Mom, Dad, brother, sister, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. I want to sing a little something for you. It goes like this. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my The Son of God discloses. Can you sing it with me? And He walks, sing it with me. And He talks with me. And He tells me I am His own And the joy we share As we tarry there None other has ever known He speaks And the sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds hush their singing. And the melody that he brings to me. My heart is ringing. Would you lift your hands? And he walks, sing it now, with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share 
as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Say, I have a father that loves me. He loves me. And he sent to us Jesus Christ to die for me, be buried for me, rise again for me so I could live a victorious, triumphant life. He didn't call those angels, but he could. He wanted the scripture to be fulfilled, and it has been. Somehow this year, the scripture will be fulfilled in this church. We will see the glory of the Lord on display. We will see miracles. We'll see signs. We'll see wonders. We'll see victories. We'll see defeat turned into victories. We'll see blind eyes opened to the beautiful things of God. We'll see dumb tongues singing the praises of the Lord. We'll see people that didn't think that they could ever live for God walk in here and say, I'm a child of the King. Because it's never too late to pray. It's never too late to pray. A prodigal can come home after 25 years. God can send his spirit in a church. And we can see great things in 2019. And everybody say amen. Amen. Say it's the last year year. of the decade decade. of this year. Next year is a new decade. Let's make this last year of this decade the greatest that we've ever experienced. Let's pray to the Father, amen, and ask him to help us. I love you. Let me bless you, dear Father. I bless these people. May the grace of God be on them. May your joy be on their face, and may may their countenance be blessed by your spirit. And may they know that you are walking with them and that you care about them and that you brought them to the house of the Lord today to do for them what only you can do. I ask you to bless them, God. Thank you for health today to let me minister the gospel. And thank you for a peace that passes understanding because there's a peace in this house today. There's a true peace in this house. Bless everyone today. Let the hand of God be upon us mightily. Let us move forward in our spirit with you in 2019. For it's in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Now look up here, look up here, look up here. I want you to spot somebody you don't know because we've got new people in the house today. And I want you to run to them, kind of. Don't scare them, but I want you to find them. And I want you to say, I want to welcome you today. And you think I'm new, but I think you're new. We're probably both new. And greet them today before you leave. I'll see you Wednesday, next Sunday, Dreamers of the Day. I love you. God bless. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. It's never too late to pray. I love you.